it's so fun waking up and being in Him. Amen? It's so fun waking up being in Him. It's a joy. Every day you wake up, you're in Him, and you get to start a new day with Him, and you get to have relationship with Him. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, because today is a new day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is a fresh day of mercy. Today is a fresh day of grace. Today is a fresh day to get on with Him and walk with Him. Amen? And it's, it's a joy when you discover this because He's your Father and He loves you and He's with you and He's in you. And we shared a little bit about that last night. But I feel like the most precious thing we get to do is every day of our lives we get to wake up and we get to commune with Him. And I say that and I feel it bouncing off a lot of you. It just goes, bonk, and you're like looking at me like, bro, that's, yeah, that's cool, whatever. That's cool for you, man. But I, I'm telling you, it's the spice of life. It's, it's why we exist. It's why we breathe. It's to know Him. John 17. This is eternal life. It's not defined as church attendance. It's not defined as singing worship songs together, though that's great. It's not defined as, as memorizing Scripture even. It's defined as knowing the Father in an intimate relationship. This is eternal life. That you may know God. And his only son whom he sent, Jesus Christ. And that word know in the Greek language breaks down to mean a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse. It's real weird when you say that. Everybody's like, that's uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? But it's the same word they used in the Old Testament when it said, and Abraham knew his wife. And there's a context there of the two becoming one and they're unified and they have communion, they have union, and they have intimacy. So eternal life is defined when you have communion and union with the Father. Amen? And every day of your life you get to. You get to wake up and have a new day where you fellowship with Him. Thank you, Zach. It's good. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I feel like I'm going to preach now, but it, it's it's... I love ministry. I love we're contending for a great move of God. I love we're believing for souls to be saved, evangelism. But man, you get to wake up and commune with the Father every day of your life. That is what's most important to me. My prayer life is my priority. Nobody could take it from me. Amen? Except for myself. The devil, circumstances, my highs and lows, none of that can control me unless I let it. And if you're waiting for all of your circumstances to line up before you really trust and praise the Father, you don't understand communion and union yet. Amen? The gospel is not about you getting your whole life in order and Him meeting all your needs. Okay? Though it's a wonderful promise we have that He's going to meet all of our needs according to His riches and glory by and in Christ Jesus. That's not your goal. Your goal is to know him and in knowing him, it's Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things are added unto you. Yeah. Well, what does seeking the kingdom look like? It looks like you waking up every morning and having a new day of fellowship with the father. Amen. And when you set your heart there and you let that grow, you, you, you water that garden, you, you tend to it, you, 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 you pull out the weeds and you make sure you protect it. Everything that's promised to you in the New Testament grows from that place. Everything that's promised to you in the New Testament grows from that place because your motive isn't on achieving the promises. It's on the Father. Amen? Amen? Are y'all hearing me? 
And I feel like the Lord wants us to be excited about waking up in him and being with him every day. Even if you had a bad day, like yesterday, like you, you had the most uh, vile thought come into your mind. You guys know what I mean, where you have a thought life that, that gets out of control sometimes. Anybody ever been there? Don't look too spiritual at me because I know you've all been there. Amen. And you wake up and you're feeling grimy. And, and my pastor Dave, you know, he went on to be with the Lord. But he said, I don't care what slimy rock you climbed out of, you know, how bad you feel about yourself. It's a new day to walk with him and praise him and serve him. And in the eyes of the Father, according to Colossians right now, here's the revelation. You're holy. You're blameless and you're righteous. You're unmovable and unreprovable in his sight. No matter what you did yesterday. Your identity needs to speak louder than your actions. And when your identity speaks louder than your actions, your actions start to change. Most people try to change their action without realizing who they are. It's a dead end road. You're never going to see any fruit there. You're going to try harder to be holy. And it's not a try holy. It's a be holy. Amen. So when your identity is revealed, well, how is your identity revealed? Through intimacy. You'll never know who you are if you don't talk to the one who created you. And the one who created you, man, he wants you to get to know him, but he doesn't want you to get to know him as creator. He wants you to get to know him as father because he's your father. Amen. It's easier to believe he's your creator. You know, like there's a lot of people that don't even believe in what we believe, but they believe God created the heavens and the earth. But they don't know him as father. And Jesus, the way, the truth and the life came to bring us to who? The father. Amen. And what is eternal life? To know God. Who's God? The Father. Amen. So this, this whole gospel we believe is really simple and it grows from this position. When you steward your prayer life, your intimacy with the motive that every day you wake up, you get the opportunity to know the Father. That's where all the promises start to be obtained through faith because your motive isn't on them. It's on Him. And when you seek first the kingdom... All these other things are added unto you. Most of us seek from the perspective of what we need. And we don't even pay any attention to the father. <laughs> and that's where your prayer life's going to burn out really quickly. I don't even think you'll last a month there. Because you're going to be so focused on what you don't have. That deficit's going to get greater. Amen. <laughs> but when you focus on him, it doesn't matter what you don't have. You have everything you need. And then you start to grow in this faith. It's called faith. Faith for a reason. Faith is good for nothing unless you're in a trial. And we should all smile right there and be like, yay. <laughs> because you don't need it unless you're being challenged to actually believe. And so faith is only, it only actually grows. Like what, what truly reveals what you are is when you hit trials and tribulations. That's when the gold is supposed to be revealed. Most of us, we go back to this idea that when we hit trials and tribulations, we don't have enough and we buckle under the pressure. That tells me we don't know our identity yet. Because if we knew our identity, when the trial hits us, we would shine a whole lot brighter. And we wouldn't be all like moody about it and like mad at God and like, man, I don't know. He's not coming through for me. And so we're not, you know, we don't even want to approach him because we have this motive that feels like he's holding back. And that's a bunch of garbage, my friends. He loves us. And he that spared not his only son, listen, he freely, freely already provided all things according to life and godliness through the knowledge, the knowledge. What is the knowledge? The coming to the intimately uh, acquaintance or, or you're growing in that understanding of who he is to you. Amen.
It becomes a revelation. It becomes alive. It, it, it's actually these words coming off the pages and taking a reality in your life. It's not even supposed to be just knowing this as a doctrine that you believe. The gospel is not a doctrine. It's a living person. And that living person wants to reveal the doctrine, but the doctrine is supposed to produce a life lived, not a theory that you believe. And a lot of us have grown up seeing and knowing that we know what to say. We know what we believe, but we haven't experienced it yet because we haven't gone there with the father. Anything outside of relationship, there's nothing. There's no ground for it to truly grow from if it's not in intimacy. It's a dead work that you're trying to tend to that's never going to produce fruit. But what produces fruit is when you make him your priority. Seek first the kingdom. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. To please who? To please the father. Amen? You cannot have anything in this gospel outside of faith. But we know this. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, if you're going to diligently seek him, that means he's your priority. And what you get is him. Amen? And when you get him, you have more than enough. Amen? See, some of us are in some pretty strong trials today and and it's you're letting that affect how you're interacting with the father and you're letting circumstances judge your mood. And because of that, it's putting a frown on your face and the, the joy in your life is just being completely quenched and it's turning into depression really quickly. And, and you're letting circumstances dictate your relationship with the Lord. And it's it's idolatry, my friends. And we need to repent of that and come back to the father, because whether you have everything you feel like you need or you don't have, he's enough. Amen. And whether or not you feel like you're adequate or inadequate or secure or insecure, those emotions are not relevant. What's relevant is that you go to him and you pursue this intimate place that exists inside of you. You're in him. He's in you. And y'all are one synced up together. There's a union the same way when a husband and wife come together and become one. You became one with the Lord in the spirit. Amen. And it's it's a picture. It's it's Christ who is, uh, you know, the husband and we are the bride. And he's coming back for a spotless bride, but he wants us to come into this revelation already while we're here breathing that we're one with him. We're unified with him. We don't do anything apart from him, even though we think we do. You can't even sin apart from him. That's a crazy idea. Amen. Oh, see, we're not okay with that language. We're like, well, what do you think? The Holy Spirit just retracts and leaves you while you're committing the act. He's with you. He's in you. And he'll never leave you. Oh my gosh, if we could get this revelation. So, so when he's with you, do you realize Adam and Eve in the garden? I feel like I'm going a million miles right now. Everybody okay? Adam and Eve in the garden, they did not have what we have. And sometimes we sing in songs and we say the Lord's trying to restore that which was lost in the garden. He's not. They didn't have what we have. Amen. They did not have the power to be, be born again, be connected to him. Do you realize the fellowship that they had with him? It was when God came down in the cool of the day. It was, an, it was like me showing up and, and showing, hey, like, how you doing today? Hey, you doing good? Hey, it's good to see you. Like, but then he'd go back to wherever he was, and Adam was left to tend the garden. And then he gives them a command and he says, hey, here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree. And then you know the, the story. Adam and Eve eat of the tree. Right. And and then it's, it says that God shows back up on the scene. And so while they were going through the temptation and committing the actual act, he wasn't a part of it. He wasn't even with them. Amen. 
But he shows back up on the scene and he's like, hey, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? And why are you hiding? And it was like there was this distance between them. Do you realize that that's what Jesus came to completely obliterate? The distance between you and and God and the way he did it was by bringing you into a new life where God becomes your father. And you're so connected to him in the spirit. Amen. Amen. But see, that's a reality that exists inside of you right now. You're in him and he's in you and you are one. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life had a promise that he would achieve in your life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And he he said in in, uh, John 14 that I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. Most of us interpret that as heaven, but he's not talking about heaven. Jesus was the first one that was born connected to the father. He was the first one that understood what it meant for God to be father. That's why everywhere he went, the religious world couldn't understand him because the Old Testament said eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If you break the law, God punishes you. And Jesus came and he was giving them a new way to live where there was a relationship that existed with the father. And that flipped religion upside down. They hated it. They were like, no way. We want to keep our rules and regulations and our structure. And and Jesus just flips this whole thing upside down. And he's the first one, though, that actually knows who the father is. And he's representing who the father is to the whole world. But his intention was to reproduce that in all of us. And so the way, the truth, and the life comes to bring us where he is. So where I am, I'm going to take you so that you could be with me. Well, where is he? Jesus is at the right hand of God right now. We know that. Amen. But according to Ephesians, you've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? So that means that right now, it's not just positionally. We know position, right? Well, I'm positionally there. No, no, the position is an actual portal that actually opened up to where he's in you and you're in him. And that's a reality that exists inside of you right now. Whether you know it or believe it, it's there. Everything you do, you never do anything apart from the Father. Even when you sin. That's why you're immediately convicted, usually before you sin and after. You're chastened, you know, the chastening of the Lord. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Amen? So God's proof is that he, he's going to chasten you. And that's how he's proving he loves you. Like if, if you're without chastisement, what is chastisement? It's conviction whenever you're headed in the wrong direction. It's not a car wreck. It's not a disease. It's not him making you go lame. It's not none of those crazy things. It's when you inside of your spirit, you feel him convicting you. How do you feel him convicting you? Because he's with you and he's in you. And he said, I'll never leave you. And you're so connected to him that you feel his heart and his heart towards sin is he's he's a holy God. He not only demands holiness, but he wants you to be holy. So he made it really easy for us. When you became a new creation, you became the very thing that he demanded. And he switched your identity and he made you something pure and beautiful and clean, clean. Everybody say clean. Oh, you're clean right now. And see, he sees you like that and he fathers you from that perspective and position. So whenever you sin, you feel his heart. You feel that connection to him because you and him are one. So you're grieved. You know, Ephesians says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. What happens when he's grieved? He doesn't check out of the building. Like, I I want us to even identify what we mean by when we say backslide. Because as a Christian, where do you backslide apart from him? Amen? Amen. 
I want y'all to follow me on this trail. I'm not preaching greasy grace. Like if you decide to walk away from God right now, here's the promise he has to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you till the end. Now you could turn your back on him and walk fully away from him. But I believe as long as you have breath in your lungs, you can still repent. Because he's still with you and in you. Now, if you die in a state of complete rejection of him and his word and his commands and just choose full on sin, eventually you're going to die. Your spirit will. And you'll be twice dead, according to Jude, plucked up from the roots. That's a very scary thought. Yeah, but that's not his choice to retract from you. That's your choice to walk away from him. And that process, my friends, like he's long suffering in that. And oh, my gosh, he walks with you. He stays with you and he convicts you through a wonderful thing called love. And his conviction brings you into the identity of who you already are in Christ Jesus. And it's so amazing because when you feel it, some of us run from it. Some of us don't like it. Some of us, you know, we kind of ignore it. And it should be your most prized possession in your relationship with him is when he convicts you, you should just rejoice and say, that's just my father. Oh, my gosh, he loves me like he's reminding me right now who I am, how free from sin that I am. And he's reminding me how capable I am to walk in what he said I am. And so you feel that and all you have to do is yield to it. But see, you have to get the perspective of how he sees you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, let's let's apply that to our prayer lives. To those of us that haven't been consistent, you're a mighty champion in prayer, my friends. The spirit inside of you craves fellowship with Abba Father. Craves it. Jesus gave us a pattern. He was driven into the wilderness by the spirit and tempted of the devil. And he got alone with the father. Most of us focus on the, the fasting and the temptation and the devil tempting him. But what I like to focus on is I think Jesus understood that when he went into the wilderness, he was going to be alone with the father. That's where he was like, my relationship with him is going to grow. And most of us run from the wilderness. We disdain it. We're like, oh, I don't want to fast. <laughs> I don't want to go into a season of isolation or whatever we call it, you know, a seeking time. And man, those are the times where you realize you're not alone. It's those times where you get alone with him. And I mean, you get alone with him and you shut off the world. You shut off this stupid device that we have that's just trying to control us. Yeah, you have to subject all relationships to this place where you have to protect that time where you and him get alone. And that's where you, you really learn who the father is. You can't learn it any other way. It's only in the times he that dwells, he that dwells, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high. He will abide under the shadow of the almighty. You cannot abide unless you dwell first. And dwelling is your choice. Amen. Amen. You learn to abide when you grow in the revelation that he's with you and in you. But when you don't get alone and grow in that revelation, you're controlled by loneliness, your emotions and everything that drives you. And you carry the father into all of that junk. That's amazing to me. And then we get afraid to approach him. And it's like we look up throne of grace and mercy. And he's like, why are you looking up? I'm in you. <laughs> you guys, let's just hit religion a little bit. Amen. So you could be in the muck and the mire in the worst situation you've ever been in. And you don't have to look up. You could just be like, oh, my God, you're still with me. 
Father, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Oh, and the Holy Ghost is going to have a dance party inside your spirit and be like, whoo, let's pick it up. Let's go. That's my child. I made you holy, blameless and righteous through the blood of Jesus. The washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, it's not a light thing. It's, it's not insignificant. It's, it's don't ever let it lose the power and dominion of what happened when you got saved. You switched families, my friends. You went from death to life. You went from darkness to light. If we could ever understand that and believe it, our actions are going to clean up. Because you don't clean up the, the outside first, you clean up the inside. Most Christians, they get on this ridiculous idea that they still have to clean the inside of the cup. My friends, you were clean when you were born again. If you could ever understand that, you could pick off the dead fruit. It no longer has a root to control you. That's good preaching. Thank you. It's the gospel. If we could believe that, our lives will start to change. We'll start to walk in that. But it's not supposed to stop there. He wants you to realize that he made you holy for a reason. He didn't make you holy so you could go around and be like, I'm holy like God. You know, and look at all your unsaved friends and be like a bunch of sinners. You know, like, and then even the Christians that aren't walking like you, we start, oh my God, do you know what they did? That's not the reason why you're made holy. You were made holy because he wanted to inhabit the temple. God cannot inhabit an unholy vessel. Amen. So when he comes in and he inhabits the temple, it's because he cleansed it. Otherwise, he couldn't abide in you. And the reason he cleansed it is so that you, you and him can start to have fellowship the moment you were born again. Before your actions started to clean up. Amen. You guys following me? And so you start fellowshipping with him and you start to realize I'm saved. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And you start to feel the convictions working in your heart. And then you start to walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling by obeying your conscience. Every single time you're convicted of the power plant that's in you, the connection to the father. You're saved by faith through grace, grace through faith, however it's worded. But you're saved through this process. But, but he wants you to start to walk in who you already are. If you think the day of salvation is coming in the future, you don't understand the, the revelation of the New Testament. There's no brighter day coming, my friends. There's no better day for you to obey God than today. It's never going to get easier than it is right now. It'll only get harder if you start to disobey and you're going to have to walk through some more muck and mire and it's going to feel more challenging to your emotions because your emotions can actually be trained to like sin. But your emotions can also be trained to love the father. And that's what he desires. And he wants you to make that your priority and your choice. And that that takes us back to what is this? What is the heart of this gospel to know eternal life? So you start to grow in your communion and intimacy with the father through relationship. You know, you do all the things we know to do. You pray in the spirit. You know, you're a spiritual being, right? You're born again in the spirit. God is a spirit. eh? And he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit brings a spiritual language that you could spiritually speak in and be spiritually built up where the place you were saved in. Yeah. And so the more you communicate with him in the spirit, the more the Holy Spirit builds the temple of God. 
His whole intention in the Old Testament was to find a dwelling place that he could inhabit. He wanted to to inhabit you. That's how much he loves you. I don't know if we really get this. Like he cares about you. He wants to be in you. He wants to be with you. He doesn't change his mind about that. Amen. We can't scare him off. Like I'm serious about this. We're so religious when it comes to these things and it kills our relationship with him. You can't get religious about this. If you've been having a bad track record of bad decisions, my friends, you could change that really quickly when you realize he loves you. And all he wants you to do is respond to his love. You cannot change yourself. Let's be really clear about that. Grace only works by his grace and his grace alone. And he made it very, very, very abundantly clear that it's working in each and every one of you. In that New Testament, it's very clear it's working. All you have to do is learn to identify it and yield to it. And then at the end of the day, when you do, you're not going to be able to be like, man, I'm a strong Christian. (laughs) You're going to be like, it's through the blood. Because the blood made it possible for me to have a clean conscience. And when my conscience is clean, I have confidence. When my conscience is violated, my confidence starts to go out the window. And so the protecting your relationship with the Lord has everything to do with making sure you're getting alone with the father and making sure you're keeping a clean conscience. My friends, the most precious thing in your life is going to bed at night, knowing that you did not violate love. Do you know what that feels like? I know what that feels like. and You can't trade it for the world because I also know what it feels like to go to bed knowing that I violated my conscience. That's not a good feeling. Amen. I don't want to live there. It's the worst place you want to live as a Christian. It's the worst feeling. There's nothing. You could be the richest person on planet earth with billions of dollars in the bank. And if you're as a Christian are going to bed with a dirty conscience, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be so unhappy because you are violating the very core being of who the father made you. And that is a a, a free, pure and righteous son and daughter of God. Amen. So we need to protect these things. We need to take them serious. We're talking about stepping into the supernatural. There's no point in wanting to be supernatural if you can't keep a clean conscience. Amen. It's, it's, It's no good for you if you start to step into the supernatural, but you don't have a clean conscience. Your life will get destroyed. The devil doesn't play games. Amen. He, he knows he's he's been watching human beings for a long time and he knows where there's compromise and he likes to come in right there and just wreak havoc, wreak havoc, like confusion and confusion exists inside of you when you have a violated conscience because you're shipwrecking your relationship with him. It's 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 the point that keeps you tender to his voice is making sure you're walking in love. Do you know that walking in love defined in the New Testament is not saying I love you and giving you a hug and giving money and walking in love is defined as keeping God's commandments. Amen. And there's only really one. It's a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. But if you're going to do that, you have to keep your conscience clean before God and man first before God and then man. And that allows you to walk in this beautiful thing called love. So as you develop your communion every day, waking up in him, knowing him, loving him, spending time with him, it's the most precious thing we have. And then equal to that is walking with him in obedience, because if you don't obey him, you don't love him. Amen. Amen. Let's all just. Yeah. Amen. 
Because the Bible says you can't say you love God if you don't keep his commandments. And so let's define this a little bit more. This is eternal life that we may know you, God. I want to know you. So it has to start in your prayer life. You have to have an intimate relationship where you really come to know the father for yourself, not based on what I'm saying or even what you just read on these pages, but where these pages become life to you through relationship. Amen. But then love then is defined as this, that you're going to know eternal life. Well, you can't say, you know him if you're disobeying him. So if you have a prayer life and if you're spending time with him, the second part of that equation is you're going to do what he said. And if you're not doing what he said, the Bible says you don't know him yet. But you can. Everybody say, I can. (laughs) I can. Like, this is a, a beautiful revelation that you can do this today. Obedience isn't this long process that has to take you 20 years just to do one thing he says. Today is the day of salvation, my friends. Amen. Those convictions he brings that he and some of us hear his voice really clearly. It's not just a conviction like you hear him say, hey, I need you to do this. You know, like you've developed that relationship with him and then you sit on that and you don't do it. And then you go around saying, man, I know God. Uh Oh, we got a problem. (laughs) Either the Bible's lying or you're lying. And I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to go with the Bible on this one. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Because the Bible can't change. So who has to change? I do. So if I'm going to clear consciously stand up before you and declare that I know God, I better be obeying him. Otherwise, I'm lying to myself and you. Oh, that's a hard, wonderful message right there. But it's not hard. It's easy because you were born again with the capacity and capability to obey him. And grace gives you the ability to. It's not something you conjure up and have to pray into. If he speaks, you have what you need to listen. Amen. He'll never speak to you if you can't listen to him. He doesn't set you up for condemnation. He sets you up for success. So when his instructions come through a conviction or his voice or a, I need you to do this, he doesn't expect you to, to look at that like something you can't do that you have to grow into because otherwise you're going to be condemned when you're not doing it. And the father's really good. He doesn't set us up like that. Amen. It's like giving the keys to your six year old and telling them to go drive before they know how to drive. They're going to wreck the car. You know what I'm saying? They're probably not going to be able to turn it on. And then they're going to be confused. Why did you ask me to drive the car? God's not like that. Amen. If he's asking you to drive the car, it's because you're fully capable and ready to put that key in, turn that ignition, hit that gas pedal and soar, buddy. Amen. And so grace is administrated through relationship. And when you hear his voice, you're hearing a command and the command is working by grace and intimacy. But it's your job to obey it. And when you obey it, you're walking out this wonderful thing called intimacy, communion, union. And you're growing in what it means to know the father. And then the more you walk there for yourself, the more he can start talking to you about other people. Why are you going to go deal with the moat in your brother's eye, but you can't even see the giant log in your eye, my friends? How do you expect God to help you help other people if you can't even help yourself? Amen. Let's make a Christian song about that, buddy. You write the lyrics and we'll give Zach and then he'll. <laughs> I'm serious. Like we, we get the cart before the horse and we're like, I want to reach the world. I want to evangelize. I want you all to evangelize. But you need to make sure you're fighting for your relationship with the Lord first. And when you're stewarding that and you know you're fighting to obey him, you're being obedient, you have a clean conscience, man, you're ready to go testify. 
if you don't have a clean conscience, you're going to feel like a hypocrite. Like your confidence is going to, you're going to be like, hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus, but you know, you're not even living for him or obeying him. Oh man, that's a weak testimony, my friends. And people can feel it. They could feel that there's something you're trying to deliver to them. That's not even real to you yet. You know, they can. Amen. Amen. Uh Oh, amen. But when you start, listen, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. Obedience is different from perfection. He's asking for your obedience. Amen. So if, if, if first John, thank God, first John's in the Bible. If, if any man sins, well, there's an if there. There's not a guarantee that you have to because you're condemned to sin. Because my friends, you were set free from sin. But if any man sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. But right after that, it says, hereby, do you know that you know him when you keep his commandments? So if you sin, you get in this circle where he's going to give you another opportunity to keep his commandments again. And if you don't, you're going to stay in that circle where he's trying to father you and grow you up. Amen. And you'll ask for the blood of Jesus to cleanse you and he'll give you another opportunity. He won't leave you. He'll be with you and in you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to empower you. He's going to try to get you to see that you're more than able and capable. But it's still up to you to make the decision. And you have to follow up with your will and say yes and take grace and let it work what it's supposed to work in you. And that is a righteous, pure and holy son of God that loves the father and does what he says. Amen. And when you're doing that, when you start to go out in outreach, now you have a whole different playing field because now you have a confidence in my friends. Confidence gives way to faith for miracles to happen. But if you don't have confidence, how are, it's, it's hard to believe God. It's like it's first John three says this. If your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. He knows all things, all things. He already knows it. But if your heart doesn't condemn you, then you have confidence because you're keeping his commandments and you're doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. So what is that saying in our English term? If you are not keeping his commandments and not doing those things that are pleasing in his sight, you don't have confidence in your heart. You're going to have a hard time getting your prayers answered. And it's not because he's withholding. It's because your confidence is shot. Amen. Man, it's getting really quiet. Amen. This is really good. Amen. So we work on that. Then you start to reach out to the world. And, and I'm not saying you're going to be per- like you might make a mistake in trying to obey, but your heart is to obey. And then you keep growing in that and you eventually obey. The Lord knows that. But if you're just sitting there hearing his voice and saying, I'm not even going to try. It's a different story, my friends. But when you get out there and you're witnessing, because I want you guys to learn how to flow in the supernatural, but your prayer life, listen, if you don't have a prayer life, you will never know the supernatural. It's in the spirit. You're a spiritual being. You pray in the spirit a lot. It's going to introduce you to the spirit world, my friends. And it's alive and it exists. And some people get weirded out by that. But man, you are more spirit than you are natural. And we're going to really get that someday. Amen. And God's a spirit. He's, he's, that's why you're going to get a glorified body someday that's going to be like him. Because when we see him, we'll be like him. And you're like him right now inside. And he wants you to be clothed with that outwardly. And that's why you're supposed to put off the old man and walk in the new man. 
And so the more you tap into this relationship thing where you're excited to spend time with him, you know, he loves you. You know, he's not condemning you. You, you want to pray. You want to do all these things because you want to know the father. And then he starts to convict you and speak to you. You need to listen and obey what he's saying. And all of a sudden you're on a fast track of growth and he's going to start showing you more things. And he'll start talking to you how to help other people. But if you can't help yourself first by letting him help you, don't even think about someone else yet. You might shipwreck their faith, too, by creating some silly doctrine that says, hey, I love God. And they watch your life and they hear what you're saying. Wait, wait, Zach's saying he loves God. I'm picking on Zach. Don't think I'm prophesying. They're like, wait, Zach's saying he loves God, but I see he's got some hidden sin over here. So then that person reproduces that. And they think loving God looks like this. You know what I'm saying? Zach said, this is how you love. He said he loved God, but he had so much compromise. I guess that's how we do it. And then we reproduce after our own kind. And pretty soon everybody's living in compromise. And the father's up in heaven like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. (laughs) But he's not mad about it. He's happy to work it out with us. That's why he sent Jesus. Amen. That's why he empowered us with the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us a spiritual prayer language so that we could learn how to pray when we don't know how he's going to guide us into that prayer. And that prayer is going to help you realize who you are in Christ Jesus. It's all about you. And, And so the more we spend time with him in fellowship and grow in this and we allow the Holy Spirit to work this in us and we walk out that salvation, the more you're getting equipped and ready to reach the world. But you need to make sure you are focusing first and foremost on your secret place with him. And my friends, that's never up for question. It's never a, a, a um, it's never a season. I'm not into seasonal Christianity that says I was led into a season of prayer. No, no, no. Prayer is your life. It's not something you go in and out of and dip in and out of. It's supposed to be every day you should have communion with the father. Now, that time might change in seasons. I'm cool with that. Sometimes you might have more time, sometimes less time. But if you go weeks without spending time with the father, whoa, I'm not okay with that. That's crazy. Amen. That's like uh, not drinking water for days because out of your belly flows this rivers of living water. But you got to learn how to drink from it because one cup, one sip, the Lord said, you'll never go thirsty. You got to learn how to drink from that often and it just fuels you and feeds you and it rejuvenates you. And then pretty soon you're not getting burnout in ministry. You know how many of y'all in this room are burnt out with wanting to do church? Amen. And it's because your prayer life isn't your priority. Any ministry outside of intimacy is going to be a burden. And it's pretty soon the Christian thing to do. It's the right and you know it. It's the right. I got to show up and serve. He doesn't want a servant. He wants a lover. Amen. I heard this saying a long time ago. Lovers outserve servers by far. They go way further than a servant does because the servant's eventually going to burn out. But someone that does it because they love God, they have no love never fails. It has no end point. It's not considering yourself and how much you can stretch and where your breaking point is. Love doesn't have a breaking point. So the more you grow in that love, the more you never break. Amen. You can't. It's impossible because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, according to Romans five. Amen. And if that love's in you, love never fails. It's not thinking about how tired you are. It's thinking about getting the job done through grace. And, you know, you've been equipped and empowered to do it because you're staying in the pocket with him in the secret place. Yeah. 
But when you let your prayer life get distracted, you know, it's distraction comes in. Church gets really religious there, my friends. That's where people keep on getting up to do what they do. And I'm not picking on anyone here, okay? I'm, I've just been around the block long enough. Everybody that's serving starts to get real wearied in it. And pretty soon it just becomes mundane and it's just the thing we do. And, and you expect for people to be attracted to that? They're going to notice that. It's like going to the job that you hate. Everybody shows up Monday and, oh, it's Monday. None of us want to be here. You guys ever been there? I've been there. And you're just showing up to the job you don't want to do. Your heart's not in it. And you think you're going to get a badge for your faithfulness when your motive is not even to want to do it. What does God look at? What is he looking at? Your motives, your heart. He's not looking at, well, I'm doing, I'm giving you. No, he's looking at your heart. Amen. And it's your heart that's going to be weighed in the balance someday. And your heart's supposed to produce a love for him that wants to do these things. And so your prayer life, my friends, is your priority. It needs to be. But it needs to be focused on intimacy. And a lot of times most of us aren't consistent because we pray because we want to see a move of God. We want revival. We want power. We want the church to grow. We want our finances to increase. We want our marriage to get better. And don't get me wrong. I want all of those things for me and everyone else. Amen. But if that's your reason for having a prayer life, you are not going to stay consistent. Your prayer life grows. That flame of intimacy grows when it's focused on first love. What is first love? Focusing on Jesus. But you know you get to meet with him. And it's not even a cordial meeting that you have to set when it's like when I'm making my coffee, getting ready to pray. He's already with me and in me saying, my son, he's here. He's doing it like he's he's prepping himself and he thinks in his soul that he needs that first sip of coffee before he can go. But he's with me and he's in me while I'm making the coffee. Amen. And he's like, oh, he's doing it again this morning. And listen, every day of my life, I wake up and pray. Nobody has to talk me into it. Nobody has to coerce me into it. I don't need to listen to a message like this to get motivated to do it. Motivation does nothing for me anymore. I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, what do I do? I pray every day. Amen. Every day. It's a delight. It's a joy. It's something that I get to do that I want to do. I weigh the balance now. Like me and my wife, we go to bed like 839. Like everybody calls us old and we're young, you know, and they're like, are you old people? I'm like, no, 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 we're not old. We prioritize our life around our prayer life. Meaning if we're going to wake up early to seek the Lord, we're going to go to bed earlier. Amen. And, and, and early and early on, it'd be like, yeah, but I want to stay up and watch the, the, the football game or the basketball game. And Lord, I just and my heart was more in tune with what was happening on the TV than me waking up in the morning because I was more in love with that than I was with him. But I remember when I started to really sift in my motives and really fall in love with him, I didn't care about the game anymore, my friends. Oh, it's nine o'clock power button TV's going off. Guess what? I'm going to pray in the morning. Because I would rather do that than stay up and then maybe trick myself thinking I'm going to wake up when I didn't get my sleep. And then, you know, and you snooze your alarm. And the next thing you know, you're inconsistent and you're wondering why. There's a place where you love Jesus more than entertainment. It's it really quiet right there. But you got to go there where you get alone with him and you let him sift through those things in your heart. It only comes when you get alone with him. You can't have it any other way. 
A wilderness is defined as the lonely and desolate place. And the church looks at it like a weary, dreary thing. And I'm telling you, it's my favorite place to go. Because in the wilderness, the definition of that, it's a lonely and desolate place. That means nothing outside of you is growing. Nothing outside of you is entertaining you. Nothing outside of you is stimulating you. And that's where you have to dig in fully to who's in you. And that's where relationship goes. It grows. Amen. And I feel like a lot of us in here need to find a, a, a time to do that. A hard reset where you, 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 you get alone for a time. You set some kind of goal where you're like, if you're on social media or whatever you're doing, like, I'm going to come off of that. I'm going to, I'm going to take a time where I get alone with the Lord and, and really set a season where you grow and learn that and you crush loneliness. And I promise you, you come out the other side of that. Something in you is going to die if you go there. And what dies is the drive to need all those other things. And you start to be fulfilled by him and him alone. And that's where your prayer life soars because you want to now. Amen. You want to y'all hearing me? You want to. It's not a well, my flesh is willing. I mean, my spirit's willing. Well, guess what? My flesh is even willing at times now. My spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. I've given so many years where I didn't give my flesh an option. It finally gave up. Doesn't even fight me anymore. It knows we pray. So there's no question. Yeah, but I'm weak. No, I'm not weak. I'm a Christian. I have the life of God. I can make the decision. Amen. And you're a Christian too, a Christ-like one that has dominion in your spirit to obey him, to make these decisions, but to do it from a motive where you want to pursue him because he's the most valuable thing that you'll ever have more than your kids, more than your family, more than anything on this, this planet, ministry, accolades, money, subjected all to the place where you come to know him first. And that's where everything grows and thrives from. And that's where a healthy balance comes in all of those other things that I listed. And that's where true life is supposed to be lived as a Christian. And I feel like the Lord wants us to all know that more and make decisions to go there more and quit making excuses and living like we're a Romans 7 person, the good that I don't want to do. I mean, the evil I don't want to do, I end up doing and all this stupid language that we just live in and we we exalt weakness and we exalt how we make bad decisions and how we're never going to change. And I want us to get online with the revelation of who we are in Christ. You're more than a conqueror. Amen. You are more than able to take the land. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. The, the, the amazing thing is that every born again person gets that spirit. There's no, well, I don't have that. No, you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's not different, my friends. It's the same one. And you could rend your clothes just like them and say, we're able to take the land. Let's do this. Amen. Oh, man, y'all are getting tired. Y'all should have jumped up and kicked the chair there. So whatever's standing in your way, you're more than able to conquer that and just could get it completely out of your life. Whatever's been stopping you, whatever's been eating your lunch, I want you to look at that thing face to face and not be intimidated by it. Do not be afraid of the giants in your life. When they showed up on the scene, the people of the land said, we were afraid when we heard you were coming. 
Because we knew that your God was going to deliver us into your hand. And so every time you have something stopping you, that's this giant that's controlling you from going into more. You think that you're intimidated by that. But that thing is shaking in its boots because it knows if you ever understand your dominion, its days are over. That means that it doesn't control you anymore. It's the masquerade that the devil uses of deception. That you're weak. That you can't. That it's always going to be like this. But if you ever truly see you're born again. Whew, do you understand that? You're born again. With what? Dominion. I'm getting a little crazy now and it's good. I feel the Holy Ghost now. We're preaching. That dominion is alive inside of you right now. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't make excuses. Don't let a well-meaning preacher tell you that you don't have it today. Because you do. You can follow the Lord in your own personal life with what he's asking you to do. You have the grace available for change. It's up to you. And when you start to go there, your relationship's going to grow more. And the Lord's going to start taking more of you into your personal ministry. But his end goal for your life is not your personal ministry. His end goal for your life is your relationship with him. And ministry is what you get to do along the way with him. Amen. Amen. It's not your mark. It's as you grow in him and you're putting off the old man and you're walking in communion you get to flow with him now in what you're called to do. But don't ever run off with that thinking that's your relationship because it's not. Your relationship is you and him alone when no one's there. You and him communing. You and him connecting. Father to son. Daughter to father. Prayer. Intimacy. Worship. Fasting. Reading the word. Praying in the spirit from the motive that says, Abba, Father, I want to know you. And you just grow and grow there continually. There's no end point. That's our lifeline. That's what we do as Christians. It's Abba, Father, I want to know you. And then you start to get equipped to do the ministry. But the work of the ministry is an output. It's not your identity. It's not who you are. Who you are is a son. It's a daughter. And you walk in sonship and daughtership and, and what you do becomes a, a byproduct of who you are in your relationship. And then there's no striving in it. There's no, well, I have to make it happen. Well, how is this going to work? No, no. He's going to lead you and guide you into all of that. Amen. And I feel like a lot of you are hungry for ministry and you want this. But man, like, don't don't kid yourself. Like, how's your prayer life? <laughs> like, don't. Don't 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 run into this too quickly. If you're not consistent with the Lord, we've seen the body of Christ produce so many messes when they're like, I got it. And they don't even pray. And the next thing you know, there's crazy things happening again. It's because we were not secure in our, our identity that we're loved by the father. And he wants to, to commune with us every day. Don't trick yourself there. Get the first and most important thing. Get that dialed in and locked down that you're breathing to have relationship with him. And then it's going to reach, first and foremost, those around you that are close, meaning your family. Amen. And if your family's like, man, he don't walk in love, you probably don't. And you need to work on that. Or she don't walk in love, you know. They talk about Jesus all the time, but man, at home, they're mean. You're tricking yourself. Because your family will see it. They will. Like my, listen, I'm not boasting or bragging on me. It's Christ in me. Like my wife and my kids love it when I'm home. And I love it when I'm home. Because we're growing together. 
That doesn't mean I don't I make mistakes. I'll lose my temper sometimes still. Sometimes my kids get on my nerves. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm like, are you asking me that again? Like, and if I lose my cool and my temper flares up, do you know what I do? I apologize to my kids. I repent before them and I say, that wasn't love. I'm sorry. And, and you know what? Daddy's not going to act like that anymore. And they, they see that. Your kids see that. But if you're talking about Jesus and how you know him and you're mean and, and your kids see it and your spouse sees it and all those around you, don't trick yourself. A prayer life will produce a love that's the same no matter who you're around. It's not a switch you put on when you're up in front of people or doing whatever you do and what you're gifted at. It's who you are everywhere you go. And the father's interested in those things. Amen. And he wants them to grow. So I want to encourage you all tonight. I know I'm preaching hard on some things, but I want to encourage you. The father's leading us into the secret place again. And, and you all know this, but I feel like the tweak of the motive, like get your eyes on Jesus. I'm stewarding that relationship with him. Don't be afraid to just open up all the motives that you have that are so wrong right now and have conversations with him about them and let him in on those things, you know, because he's already there. He already sees them. If you're mad at him, listen, if you're mad at him, let's have a conversation about that. Amen. That's relationship. That's intimacy. Me and Zach and Ruby have grown in our relationship. And I keep pointing them out because we did life together in Tulsa. But there were so many times where we could not stand each other. Amen. And <laughs> it's true. And we had to we had to me and man, Richard, you guys know Richard Edgar and, and Natalie, man, I, we love Richard. Richard is they don't make him like Richard anymore. Amen. <laughs> But man, me and Richard, we butted heads so many times. And, and, but instead of getting offended at each other and ignoring, we, we would sit down and we would look at each other in the face and we would talk about it. And our relationship would grow. Amen? And that's how your relationship grows with the Father. And, and, and you need to go there with Him. Well, some of us are disappointed because we've been let down with our expectation of what we expected from Him. And I'm telling you, some of that stuff didn't even come from Him. It came from your expectancy of what he was going to do for you that had nothing to do with your relationship. And your heart sank when it didn't happen. And now you're blaming him and you're saying, well, I thought you were good. I thought just take that to him, but take it up in relationship and, and just let him know that you want to fall in love with him again. No expectancy of the things that are unrealistic. Amen. But and I'm not saying don't have faith and all that. There's things we're believing for all of us. I know that individually. And he wants to meet those needs. He's our healer. He's our provider. But there's so much disappointment we have in the body of Christ with let down expectations. And it kills prayer life. Hope deferred always makes the heart sick. Always. But a living hope. How do you have a living hope when you're living with the one constantly who is hope? And you're communing with him constantly and hope stays alive no matter what you see. You see a valley of dry bones. I'm going to prophesy to them and they're going to live because I have hope living inside of me. Amen. But hope doesn't live with a discouraged and disappointed and hopeless spirit. And some of us get so downcast and we need to address that. Who's going to address it? Holy Ghost, let him address it. And you got to let him love on you. And man, I've cried so many tears with my 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 disappointments with the Lord like and I've realized 10 times out of 10 times it was my fault and what I expected that's something that he wasn't even involved in and at the end of that conversation I'm a blubbering mess that says you're so good and you love me <laughs> thank you 
Sometimes some of those prayers, if he were to answer them, they'd be the worst thing for us. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about sickness or disease. That's not what I'm talking about. He's good and he loves us, but he doesn't pamper you to be a spoiled kid. (laughs) He can't do that. Amen? Otherwise, he'd be a pretty terrible father. (laughs) But he's a good dad. Amen? And he loves us. So I want to encourage y'all again to make prayer your priority and have communion with the Father. And don't be intimidated by what you're not doing, but be encouraged by what you can do. Don't look to what someone else is doing, like some crazy high mark, and be like, if I could only be like them. No, no, no. You need to be like you and the Father. And so you focus on where you're at with Him, and you, you just you tend to that garden. Let it grow. Weed it out. Water it. It will grow. And you'll start to develop intimacy and it will become real to you and it will be the most prized possession that you have. And pretty soon it won't matter what anybody else is doing. You won't be distracted by it because you'll know him. Amen. (laughs) And someone might say, well, you need to be doing this. And oh, I'm good. I know the father. Amen. Well, you're not praying enough. No, I'm praying. I am. I'm consistent with the Lord. That's all you need to be. Because in your consistency, it'll produce diligence and the Lord rewards those who diligently seek him. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to wind down. Hallelujah.